very extraordinary that um, we hold a meeting on a day like this. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's like, like the saying says, that extraordinary situations uh, demands extraordinary measures. So, colleagues, <clears throat> I'm happy that you were able to take your time out uh, to be part of this uh, meeting. So, I will just for a piece, uh, what you call <clears throat> housekeeping matters. I'm told that uh, we will be live uh, on 408 at some point uh, during the day, <clears throat> not during the course of the meeting. I'm also told that um, we would be on social media as well, or social media platforms, I don't know what those are. And um, so I'm saying this just to alert uh, all of you. And um, there's been a request from uh, journalists who have taken interest in, in the discussions, uh, <clears throat> or rather to sit in and listen. Um, so they are also uh, within our midst. So I thought I should say this. So the agenda is before us, uh, colleagues. Um, <clears throat> um, item number one and item number two, those are uh, known items, our preliminaries, and then we have essentially two items, uh, main items on the agenda is a presentation by the content advisor <coughs> uh, on the Department of uh, Military Veterans Threat Plan, uh, as well as uh, its uh, uh, annual performance plan and the budgetary allocation thereof. Uh, and then the second main item is a presentation by the researcher on the DOD Threat Plan 2020 to 2025, uh, its uh, um, annual performance plan, as well as uh, its budget allocation uh, for the year uh, in, in review 2020-2021. And that uh, takes us to, to the end of the meeting. The third item that we had uh, put on the agenda uh, was the presentation by the uh, Auditor General, then uh, rather Auditor General's office on the interim uh, and their interim report. Uh, yesterday they advised that because the, meet, the meeting would be uh, live and uh, public, uh, and, and, and that the report is yet to be tabled in Parliament. Uh, they thought it would not be wise or advisable that they share the content of the uh, document that is yet to be tabled in Parliament. But they did impress that if we need a briefing, that we close the meeting uh, so that uh, they can take us through the content of the AG's uh, interim uh, report. Is interim in the sense that it's likely to change as and when um, the engagement between the AG's office and the department 
uh, you know, are able to come to some finality on some of the issues <clears throat> that may have been outstanding, uh, as it were. So I, I really understood that. Uh, but I did impress that uh, the committee said uh, we really need this uh, interim report uh, right at the beginning of this term so that we know how the department closed the last uh, <coughs> financial year, that's 2019-2020. Uh, right? We don't want to wait until uh, it is until it is tabled in, 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 in September and then uh, discussed uh, in October thereabout uh, to learn about the challenges uh, <clears throat> or the audit queries of the previous financial year, when it would already be late for the committee to uh, intervene. I mean, if, if we get the report, the 2019-2020 report in October, Really, we'll be left with about three or four months uh, to complete the 2020-2021 financial year. And you would not have been in a position to, um, you know, um, prioritize the, the audit uh, queries. Um, so, so we said we need this right at the beginning of the, of the financial year. So that if they are repeat, or repeat uh, uh, what you call audit queries, we are able to place them on the agenda and get the department to answer why they don't get these repeat uh, queries out of their way, so that they move to a clean uh, audit report, as it were. So I'm not uh, uh, removing the item off the agenda completely. It's going to come back. Um, very soon. I hope we we'll find time where we are able to deal with it, uh, colleagues. So that's the reason why that item um, that was going to be presented by AG's office is no longer uh, on the agenda. So, so these presentations will be done in-house by our content advisor and uh, researcher basically uh, to prepare ourselves for an engagement with the Department of uh, Defense and the Department of Military Veterans, plus the several entities that report to the Department of Defense. We thought we needed this so that um, we adequately, we prepare ourselves adequately for those uh, engagements. Colleagues, uh, so with that, uh, uh, I welcome all of you. And thank you very much, like I said at the beginning, for uh, taking your time out. And uh, Brian, I'm now moving off to item number two, uh, apologies. Are there any apologies? Uh, Chair, we, we, we do have an apology from uh, General Olomisa, who is having uh, a challenge in terms of connecting to the meeting. Uh, but IT is at the moment assisting him to, to connect. Uh, you should be joining us uh, any time uh, from now. Yes, no, thank you very much. There's another apology, was it not from Nonzo? Right? Uh, uh, Chair, I've, I've not received uh, any other apology. Uh, I'll, I'll just follow up with Mr. Nonzo to check uh, whereabouts is he. All right, okay. 
No, it's fine. Uh, colleagues, no, thank, thank you so much. All right, with that is it, May. Uh, are there any other apologies, colleagues, that you may be aware of? Right, it doesn't look like there's any other. Can, can you hear me? Yes, uh, who's that? Hello, Mesa. Oh, General, how are you? Welcome. You're back. Oh, I, I, I hear you. You are apologizing on my behalf. I've long been locked in. <laughs> this young man is mischievous, eh? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, colleagues, can you then quickly go to item number three? And I uh, can see uh, Peter Daniels, our content advisor, uh, ready to take us through the issues. I'm sure in doing that, you'll also follow on the decisions uh, that the committee uh, took that we must follow up on when we engage with the department. All right, uh, over to you, sir. Uh, good morning, uh, Chair, uh, members. Um, I'll be doing the presentation of the Department of Military Veterans and just focusing on selected issues of the strategic plan, the annual performance plan, and then the 2020 budget. Uh, Chair, I'll be doing this from the PowerPoint presentation um, I'm just going to upload it. Is it clear? Yes, it is clear. Okay. Um, as I said, I'll be doing the presentation on the Department of Military Veterans. Um, and the main purpose is basically just to highlight some issues uh, for the committee to consider as part of its oversight responsibility over the department in general, and then specifically the annual budget allocation and the planning for the next five years. Uh, this is the scope. I'll just start off with a few uh, general remarks. And then from point one to point six is basically uh, the flow and the sequence in the Word document that has been distributed uh, to members. It's much more detailed. And this presentation is basically just a summary of uh, that Word document. It will basically consist of the introduction, uh, issues around uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and the department. And then I'll take the committee through the strategic plan, its mandate, strategic focus, and the measuring performance, the annual performance plan. Um, they are focused on, on the program specifically, and then also in particular the targets set for the financial year 2020-21 and just briefly look at some of the main cost drivers. Um, that will be followed by a brief look at human resources and then I'll just summarize with regards to the key aspect of the analysis. Okay, uh, just a, a general remark or two. Um, firstly, the strategic plans and the annual performance plan of both the two departments, that's the Department of Defense, Military Veterans, as well as the two entities, um, the Castle Control Board and AMSCO, and the military ombud has been submitted to Parliament timelessly. Um, and in all of these analysis, we will refer to the impact of the COVID-19 on the departments and the entities, and maybe then also pose a question or two around that. Um, and there's a likelihood um, that the annual budgetary allocations uh, to the departments will be adjusted. And because some of these funds need to be released for the fight against the pandemic, 
and the House chairs indicated in his writing of the 28th of April um, that these changes or adjustments in the boats will be dealt with in a separate bill, an adjustment bill, later in the year. And then also we can look at the departments and entities and maybe ask them, you know, what kind of measures or plans do they have in place, you know, to, 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 to address uh, this issue in case the, the, the budgets are being uh, adjusted, especially if it's adjusted downwards. And also, uh, what kind of internal measures do the departments and the entities have to combat the spread of the disease? Uh, and if, um, you know, the lockdown continue, as we are aware from today onwards, we are level four, you know, what kind of plans do they have to still achieve their mandate? And just to say that, that the analysis covers the strategic plan, the annual performance plan, and the budget allocations. Chair, if one looks at the second page of the analysis, the word document, I start off there by just referring to the pandemic and Department of Military Veterans and saying that, that currently the government is seized to, to, to address the spread of, of the endemic. Um, we are aware at first it was a compulsory lockdown of 21 days and later extended until yesterday. And then we are now at level level four. Um, we see a limited uh, economic activities being allowed. Um, the point I want to emphasize is that if one looks at the community of military veterans, one would realize that, that many of them are actually forming part of the more marginalized people in our society. Um, and, and, and in the case of, for instance, the United States, I just looked what they did there and how they actually assisted their uh, military veterans. Uh, and what they do is they track the cases of people who have been identified, you know, as being positive. Um, they also have their call centers to assist with questions. And there's also online uh, information available. In addition to that, uh, the U.S. Senate has also passed a Corona Relief Bill of around 60 million rand, specifically then uh, to assist military veterans. Now, as I said earlier, the National Treasury is likely to prioritize those departments that are, you know, in the front line of, of, of fighting uh, the, the, the virus, uh, typically department, the National Department of Health, the provincial departments of health, um, social development, labor, etc. So there might be a request, you know, for other departments to revise uh, their budgets. But I would strongly say that the uh, Department of Military has, has a strong case, you know, to actually uh, 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 lobby against this in the sense that many of, of the military veterans and, and the dependents are really reliant on these uh, 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 benefits, the 11 benefits as exposed in Section 5 of the Military Veterans Act. And, and, and we also saw that, you know, uh, last year in the, um, the annual report of the department, that has actually increased uh, in the number of, of uh, uh, applicants for social relief of distress. Um, last year, uh, the department has given uh, this benefit to around 3,478 uh, 3, military veterans. So indeed, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, requests um, for the department to assist military uh, veterans, especially those who are in dire straits. And then I'm just saying there lastly, that the department can use his database uh, basically to prioritize uh, the elderly and those with underlying conditions, because um, I think we are well aware that those people that are most at risk um, to, to, to 
uh, uh, be infected by uh, this disease. Uh, typically, the elder populations, though, that are 60 and oldest, and those with underlying medical conditions such as heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, chronically, chronic respiratory diseases, cancer, etc. And also people um, who have a compromised immune system. So um, the question then there is, you know, what kind of plans do the department has to basically assist, you know, military veterans, you know, during this period? And then secondly, and, and also importantly, you know, what kind of measures do we have internally to safeguard their own staff uh, against the spread of, 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 of the virus? Uh, for instance, uh, temperature testing, stringent hygiene, sanitizing protocols, the use of masks, etc. And I think those are some of the questions we can pose to the department. Chair, if I can move over to the strategic plan 2020-25. Uh, uh, it basically consists of four main parts. Um, part A is basically the mandate, B is the strategic focus, C is measuring the, perf the performance, and D is the technical indicator descriptions. I need to mention, Chair, here that both the strategic plan and the annual uh, performance plan in part A and part B, part B are basically similar. So that's why I'm not going to repeat it again. It's only when we come to part C where we find a huge difference, where the strategic plan is, is, is focused on the five-year uh, planning period and the targets that they've set and the money they've located for it, while the annual performance plan, they obviously uh, 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 focus on the annual uh, for the financial year 2020-21 um, and then also the, the quarterly uh, targets and, and funds allocated to it. Chair, so when it comes to Part D, um, the technical indicator uh, descriptions, um, I'm of the opinion that this issue uh, was covered by a briefing that the uh, Auditor General sent us um, because that's, that's more on the technical side. And they looked at it and they made certain recommendations uh, to, to the department of how to actually improve on these technical uh, indicators. So if you agree, Chair, I'm not going to cover Part D, but I will focus on the mandate, the strategic focus, and then measuring their performance. This, then the first part then offers strategic plan Part A. Chair, uh, it's basically the mandate of the uh, department, and then they refer to uh, the Constitution. And, and, and typically, uh, the sections that they uh, then highlight are those that, that, that relates, you know, to the benefits um, as espoused in, 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 in Section 5 of the Military Veterans Act. Like, for instance, Section 7 is basically the, the Bill of Rights, the introductory paragraph, just referring to all the rights in the Bill of Rights. 10 relates typically to human dignity, uh, 25 to, to property, 26 to housing. 27 to healthcare, food, water, and social uh, security, 32 access to information, 33 just administrative action, 195 uh, typically public administration where we derive our party appeal, party appeal principles from, you know, all about the good uh, governance, and 217 is basically about uh, procurement. The next thing they do, Chair, is to refer to the legislative mandate and then specifically to the Military Veterans Act 18 of 2001 and other related uh, acts. Um, and, and thirdly, they, they also refer to the Military Veterans Benefits Regulations and then the institutional policies. 
Um, Chair, I think some of the issues that we can actually highlight there with regards to, to, to this um, is, is firstly the amendment to the Act has been coming on for quite some time now, as far as I know, at least for the last uh, four years. And, and we would like to know, you know, how far is this process and when Parliament can actually expect, you know, uh, uh, the amendment bill uh, to be submitted to Parliament. Uh, the next issue there, Chief, relates to the policies. Um, we found in the past that, that, that some of the policies have been uh, approved and some uh, have not been approved. In certain cases, in one state, even the education benefit was distributed, uh, but without actually uh, an approved policy. And we also want to know which policies are being revised. The next issue there, Chair, um, is the subsidized uh, public uh, transport. Um, the department hasn't delivered on, 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 on this. Um, and it's an issue that is very worrying um, because um, this will allow uh, military veterans, you know, to access, you know, the different modes of, of transport. And, and as we are aware, uh, given that the majority of military veterans doesn't have it, you know, that wide, you know, they don't have a lot of money, uh, they will struggle to, to actually move to, to, to provincial offices or even to the headquarters uh, in Pretoria. Um, so this access to public uh, uh, transport uh, is actually a, 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 a benefit, I think, needs to be rolled out as soon as, soon as, as possible. Um, the department also mentioned at the end of this section, say, that they don't have any relevant court ruling. Um, but there's been an issue about zeal help that has been delivering uh, health service to the Department of the Yes. I Yes, I actually lost you for about a minute or so, uh, but it's fine, you're back. You may continue. Okay. Uh, say, um, and I think uh, uh, General Olubisa uh, is quite aware of this issue of, of Zeal Health, who has actually instituted a claim of about 198 million against the department. And I think it's maybe prudent for a committee just to follow up on, 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 on the specific issue, what is the progress in that regard. That deals then with part A of the strategic plan. The next uh, section, Chair, um, these will the strategic uh, focus of the department. Uh, there they just refer to the vision, which is a dignified, unified, empowered, and self-sufficient military veterans community. Uh, the mission to facilitate delivery of benefits and coordinate all activities that recognize and entrench the restoration of dignity and appreciation of the contribution of military veterans to our freedom and nation building. The next section deals with the values, and that includes issues such as integrity, compassion, honesty, professionalism, commitment, and accountability. Chair, more important for our purposes, um, especially uh, as we go forward and engage them, it is the situational analysis. And they divided this up into the internal environment and external environment, and they say, that, you know, the DMV operates within a context that requires an analysis of both internal and external in, in environments, not only to identify internal challenges, but also to leverage opportunities presented by these opportunity environments that can help them to achieve their mandate. Chair, in that section, one would find, and that is on page four of the uh, uh, analysis, um, reference to legislation, regulations, policies, um, the strength of the infrastructure and systems, um, the service delivery model, 
uh, issues around diversity management. Um, and important for us, um, the issue of uh, the independent vote of the department uh, with effect from 1st of April 2020, just a month ago, where the department is actually now operating on vote 26. Because one recall that in the past, the department was basically uh, a sub-program, administration program one of the Department of Defense, of Defense, and then the funds were to tra transfer to them. Now it is transferred directly from National Treasury into this vote, and they have an independent vote going forward. Chair, important is also the democratic nature and the spread of military veterans' population. Uh, they are also referring to around 8.3% of military veterans that must still update the information to ascertain the place of residence. Um, and that's, that's why we see later on that there's actually a category of unknown in the table. Um, Chair, the next issue is also very important, and that relates to the issue of the database. Um, Chair, you are aware that we've had several meetings, both in the Joint Standing Committee in Defence and in the Portfolio Committee, um, where we've actually engaged the Department on, on, on this issue. Um, and I think it's incumbent on us maybe to just follow up with regards to this, because this is actually key to the to delivery of, of services and benefits to the, to the military veterans um, and also for, for planning purposes. Chair, if I can go on there and just say that um, one of the things that we should maybe ask the department, besides this gender and race distribution, provincial spread and the former uh, forces uh, spread of military veterans, is the issue of age, the age distribution of, of military veterans. Because I believe it will be quite key um, to know, you know, what is the spread, um, because it will assist with the, with the planning. For instance, if the majority of quite a, a big cohort of the military veterans are, 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 are over the age of, of 60, um, I believe that they should maybe be prioritized, for instance, benefits such as health and, and, and such as, 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 as housing. The next issue say, relates to the military skills development system uh, uh, members. Um, and we just want to know exactly how are they being accommodated um, within the military, the, the military veterans uh, database. Because our understanding it is that, that they should actually be moved to uh, the reserve force rather to the, the, the military veterans. And then, Chair, I think it's also important that we follow up on this 8.3% of, of our military veterans that need to update uh, the, the information. Um, also important, Chair, uh, on page 5 of, of, of the analysis, uh, is where the database actually indicate, you know, um, the, the percentage of statutory forces and the percentage of non-statutory forces. Um, and according to the department, um, the non or former non-statutory forces account for around 76%, while the former non-statutory forces account for around 24%. And the argument has been made in the past by both the ministry and the department um, that given our, our, our history, it is likely that those members of the statutory forces would have received uh, many of these benefits while in service or just when, when they retired. And, and, and that uh, the non-statutory forces were not in, 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 in that position. So therefore, uh, uh, the department also states um, that there is actually an urgent uh, intervention required to, to address uh, this uh, imbalance 
en, en om oraal toe en verslaan oor bias towards uh, uh, giving uh, benefits to non-statistry forces. So if I can move on, um, that was the internal uh, environmental analysis. Um, the second part deals with the external environmental uh, analysis of the department. Um, and here they are also referring to the World Bank, um, the, the IMF, the Inter International Monetary Fund, um, and their predictions with regards to the economic growth uh, in Africa and then also in South Africa. And we're basically saying that the growth will, will, will slow down. Um, and if the growth, uh, economic growth slows down, it will also have an impact you know, on the South African economy and the, the ability of the, the, of, of the government, national treasury, to actually uh, fund, you know, the various departments, you know, according to, to their wishes. Um, I'm just saying there that, 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 that all the departments can actually then expect a sort of cut. And we've seen this, you know, the austerity measures that have been implemented over the years, you know, to the various uh, uh, departments, especially when it comes to the salary bill. Um, you know, the, that percentage of the overall budget of, of, of departments where national energy actually insisted that they should be cut. Um, an important issue, Chair, is the Military Veterans Task Team report. Um, I'm not aware that we've seen this report, um, and the importance of that is that they say that uh, it actually provides a guiding blueprint for service delivery. Um, and it's looking also at the more cost-effective ways to deliver on, on, on the mandate. Um, and, and I do think, Chair, that maybe um, we should request them to come and, and, and present uh, uh, this report so we can engage them. And maybe in that way, we can also assist them to address some of the challenges that they have, you know, achieving their targets. Um, the other issue that they refer to is that they're working very hard to integrate military veterans into communities. And that's why they have this one district approach where they emphasize a strategic public-private partnerships, um, which will be critical to advance uh, this issue. Um, so the other issue they're referring is the issue that we've dealt with in the committee before um, with the Department of Defense, and it's this whole uh, issue of cybersecurity. And, and we just asked them, you know, what kind of challenges did they have in this regard? You know, did CETA you know, the state information technical agency assist them uh, with this. Uh, uh, so what is the, the, the issues there? Um, an important issue is also that they say that in line with chapter 10, you know, public administration, good administration, um, good governance and so on, that they are also adhering to the philosophy, the principles and practice and the outcomes of the King uh, 4 report. Uh, the other issue is that they also instituted anti-corruption and anti-fraud initiatives uh, in the department, just to make sure that the department is not hampered uh, uh, by this in the execution of, of, of the attempt mandate. Um, Chair, one of the questions we ask here is, is this whole issue of the, <clears throat> the one district uh, 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 approach. And I just want to know, how does it actually relate um, 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 to uh, 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 the, the intergovernmental relations? Because they would be aware that in the past, um, the department actually had problems, you know, with delivering, especially for instance, housing, um, where there was a lack of uh, 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 land, for instance, available for, for, for housing. 
um, and some uh, provinces and some municipalities didn't quite uh, uh, cooperate. So we just want to know um, how this thing is actually going to uh, pan out, um, especially with regards to the, in the intergovernment uh, uh, relations function. Um, Chair, um, the next issue that I want to uh, briefly refer to is the stakeholder analysis that is on page eight of the uh, analysis um, and where the department basically refers to various uh, departments and entities with which they are dealing. And I, I just want to highlight a few internally in the department itself. Um, and that's the first one is the South African National Military Veterans Association. Um, and the question is just what is the latest with regards to, 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 to Sanwa? Um, and especially what kind of role does it play to verify the status of, 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 of military veterans against the background of the briefing that we had uh, both in the joint and in the PC uh, uh, of the challenges that, that the department has with, you know, with verifying uh, military veterans. Um, so what role, you know, uh, uh, does the uh, SANWA actually play to assist uh, the department? Chair, the other two that I'm referring to is the Appeals Board and the Advisory Council of the department as espoused uh, 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 in, in, in the Act. And I'm just asking, the, you know, when do their terms uh, come to an end? And are all the positions on these structures full? Um, and can the department, for instance, provide us with a list, you know, of, of members serving on, on, on these uh, structures, you know, the race and gender, um, in, 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 uh, specifically against the background that the DMCD says that they want to promote inclusivity, they want to have a diverse uh, community. Um, there was also an issue raised uh, with regards to African military health services, um, and they have identified this risk of, of, of duplication of, of, of services by SAMS. Um, and they say that they are alerting us to this because they are scared that they might be double uh, dipping, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in this regard. So the question is just, you know, how far, what, what is the current status of this and how are they planning to, to, to address this? Chair, um, one of the main issues with regards to the department and often related to the underperformance and underspending relates to the number of vacancies. And vacancies, Chair, specifically in the top echelon of the department. Um, we received recently a document from the AG. He says that the current key vacant positions are that of the accounting officer, the DG, which has been vacant since the 1st of August 2015. The Deputy Director General Socioeconomic Support, vacant since January 27. The Deputy Director General Corporate Service, vacant first, uh, from the 1st of, of September uh, 2019. And obviously, Chair, um, um, these impact, you know, on, on the sort of leadership, you know, and guidance that, that the department can have, you know, if, if, if we have so many vacancies, and especially in, in, in the top echelon of the department, uh, hampering uh, 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 the, the delivery of services. Chair, another important issue is that the department often refers to them planning to have a well-structured staff organization. And in, in this regard, one can pose the question, what happened to the recommendations of the skills audit? They briefed us uh, around uh, the skills audit, um, what they've done, uh, the, uh, the consultants that they have appointed, um, but we haven't heard much further from the 
recommendations of the skills order. Um, and this is important uh, because neither the strategic plan nor the annual performance plan, uh, as far as I could find, say, uh, mention the skills audit. Um, and I think this is maybe an issue that we need to follow up. Okay, the next issue I want to move over to is the strategic plan, um, measuring uh, uh, performance. Um, one will also find that on page nine of the analysis. Um, so I'll, I'll skip uh, 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 um, the institutional performance information section, but I want to focus here, if you allow me, to, to, to focus on the planned performance over the five-year planning period. And, and, and this is important um, because um, here on, 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 on page nine of, of the analysis, um, it relates to the priorities that the department plans to achieve over the next five years. Um, it starts off with the executive authorities, the minister's priorities, um, and she lists around uh, six uh, priorities that they what she wants the department uh, to achieve. Um, but more important for our purposes is the other two, and that is the National Development Plan Vision 20, 2030, um, and, 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 and how uh, the, the, the department see themselves contributing to the NDP. Um, and, and the various uh, specific chapters, like Chapter 13, uh, Building a Capable and Developmental State, Chapter 14, uh, Fighting Corruption, Chapter 9, Improving Education, Training and Innovation, Chapter 10, Promoting Health, 3, uh, the Economy and Employment, and, and, and so forth. Yeah? Um, and then also with regards to the medium-term strategic framework uh, priorities, there are about uh, six priorities um, that the department says they are going to 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 uh, to contribute to. So this this is important for us because um, on a quarterly uh, basis and even on an, an annual basis, the department has to come back to us and report to us what were their contributions uh, to these three sets of of of, of priorities. Um, and then we also have to indicate in our reports uh, later on, you know, um, whether we feel you know that they've. Uh, contribute, achieve the, 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 the target that they've set themselves with regards to this, um, and that the money has been well spent because they address uh, some of these uh, priorities. Chair, the, the, the next issue is uh, the key risk and mitigation. Um, this is also on page 10 of the analysis. Um, and, and, and this is important for us because um, it gives the department a chance to have an inward-looking approach and saying, but what are our weaknesses? You know, where do we, and what are the threats? Um, and they identified various uh, uh, risks there, uh, about uh, six of them. Um, and the first one there is inadequate, integrated, internal, external business system. And the risk mitigation there is development of an integrated business system. The next one is instability in strategic uh, leadership, uh, something that I referred to earlier, and they say they will implement the approved recruitment plan. And then, Chair, further on it goes, but another important one to highlight there is inadequate legislative and regulatory and policy. Um, and then they say what they want to do is to introduce amendments to the Military Veterans Act. They want to align the Military Veterans Benefit Regulations uh, to the Act, and they also want to develop policies in line with the Amendment Act. Um, the other issue that they are referring to is an inappropriate uh, organizational culture. 
And the way they plan to mitigate this is to introduce organizational change management uh, processes. The next one, Chair, uh, um, and, and also very important, especially with regards to access um, by military veterans and independence to the department, is an ineffective and inefficient stakeholder management and, and, and strategy. And their mitigation there is uh, to develop and implement the stakeholder um, management strategy. Chair, one of the targets that the department had in, in the past, and, and, and currently we can't find it in, in the two uh, documents, the two plans, was uh, they touted this high impact communication, marketing and, and strategy and, and, and plan. So the question is, if they don't have a problem with you know communicating with, with their stakeholders, what's been wrong with, with, with this uh, uh, high uh, impact communication, marketing and strategy plan? But quite a bit of money was allocated to this. So it seems to me that, 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 that somewhere something went wrong um, that they still have this specific risk. Uh, the other issue, Chair, is um, just to ask them, you know, um, they are saying that they have an inappropriate organizational uh, 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 culture um, and they want everybody to feel welcome, you know, in the department. That's why there's a focus on diversity management. And, and I think maybe it behoves the committee to just have a look at this diversity management strategy or plan of this that they tell us what are actually uh, doing, Chair. Um, Chair, um, in the last APP uh, of 2019, um, there was a risk identified and they call it the Compromised Data-Based Integrity and Security uh, as a risk and one of the mitigation strategies was to roll out and full implementation of the E-DMV Electronic Integrated System and Amendment of the military grid. This risk is not currently uh, part of the risk uh, assessment. Uh, but given the problems that, 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 that the department has with the uh, database, um, maybe, maybe it's incumbent on us to maybe ask them what exactly is, 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 is going on. Is the database now secure um, from a tax or from, 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 from outside? Um, the last one there, Chair, is just something that I mentioned earlier. And uh, the fact that they don't mention social relief of the stress at all. Um, and the last time we heard from them, they said that they are going to try and institutionalize that. And, 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 and hopefully, uh, when the amendment act comes out, uh, we'll also see that, that the social relief of the stress is also part of, of, of the, the amendments that come in. One also take notice of, of the fact that social relief of the stress is primarily a function of, of, of the Department of, of, of Social Development, and that only certain functions of this benefit will be delegated to the Department of Military Veterans, but we will follow up on that as we go along, Chair. Um, Chair, um, something that I referred to earlier is this uh, one district uh, 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 approach that the Department is, is referring to, and, and we just asked the question there, you know, exactly how does all these fit together, you know, the whole notion of the new organizational structure uh, that, that they want to have, the service delivery model and this uh, district development model, just how it all uh, fits together. The next issue that I want to move to over, it is basically the annual performance plan of the department. And if you allow me, Chair, um, I, will, I will focus here mainly on the targets uh, of, of the DNV, you know, over the financial year, because many of, of, of the financial issues will come out 
uh, um, um, well, I will mention it in, in, in passing. So if one looks at, 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 at the table currently in, 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 in front of us, um, we can see that the department's allocation is around 683 uh, uh, million for this financial year. It moves to around 711 20 for 2021, 22, and then to um, 735 million for 2022 to 2023. Um, and, and an important year, Chair, is, is just to indicate um, that the main service delivery uh, program is the second program, namely socio-economic support. And the majority of, of, of the budget, uh, uh, more than half, goes towards uh, this because a chair will recall that, that the majority of, of benefits are basically uh, 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 delivered from, from, from this, this program. And I think it would be incumbent on us to just to, to, to follow, you know, the spending on especially uh, the second and the third program because those are the two main service delivery uh, uh, program um and, and and also chair uh, given the department's uh, uh, history of, of of underspending um you know i think it is incumbent that we we follow throughout the year you know how do they actually uh, uh, uh are they actually spending their funds the next one it, it is basically to indicate um, the percentages of the total budget of the three programs. And there we can see in, in 2019-20, it was around 55.99%. Um, that uh, moved up to around 58.77%. Um, and you can see the, the other two programs are about uh, around 20, 21, 22%. One looks at the real and, and, and nominal uh, increases. Uh, I mean, here yeah, I will focus mostly on, on the real increases because that uh, also accommodates uh, uh, the inflation. Uh, one will note um, that overall, the department um, say there was an increase in the budget of 0.25% in, in, in the real terms. Um, and the biggest uh, increase. Uh, was with regards to program two, socio-economic uh, support, where we saw a nominal uh, percentage increase of 9.85%, and then a real percentage increase um, of 5.2%. Um, and yes, uh, it's concerning that both in, in, in nominal and in real terms, um, the two other programs, program one administration and program two empowerment and stakeholding, they've actually uh, had a decrease uh, in, in the budget. Chair, um, as I said, uh, if you allow me, I'll, I'll focus mostly on the targets um, that the department has set for themselves with regards to uh, the programs. And here, um, the program one, um, we see that um, they list, for instance, an unqualified uh, audit opinion um, throughout from this year to the outliner year 2022-2023. Um, and the question is just, why don't they aspire for a clean audit? Um, are they satisfied just to have an unqualified uh, uh, audit uh, opinion? The next one is also with regards to the payment or the percentage of legitimate invoices paid within 30 days. Um, if one notes, um, you know, how they move on from 2016 um, to 2019-20, uh, how they actually increase 
First, it was 67%, then 76%, 79%, and uh, this hasn't been confirmed yet, and we'll see that when we receive the annual report for 2019-20, um, but they, they estimate that the performance is around 90%. Now, if, if, if that's the case, and seeing the trend that has been, you know, there in, in, in the past, um, we'll just ask, but, but why don't they actually try to incrementally then increase, you know, the percentage of legitimate invoices paid? Um, you know, within the 30 days. Um, Chair, the next issue just relates to an approved uh, ICT uh, strategy, and we see for this year they are planning to have it improved, and then over to the next two years, uh, it's about uh, implementation. Uh, the next one relates to approved human resources strategy. Um, they hope to approve it in this year, and then the next two years, um, they will then uh, implement it. But I think this uh, relates to um, also to the issue of having the organizational structure approved. Remember, Chair, uh, they've applied, you know, uh, and they've liaised with National Treasury as well as Department of Public uh, Service and Administration to actually, you know, uh, change the uh, organizational structure to align it more with their mandate, you know, with their budget and, 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 and so forth. Chair, what I'm also saying is, um, if we members go through um, the, the word document, they will find that in there, there's also a reference to the nominal and, and the real increases and decreases within the budget. <coughs> the next issue, Chair, is program two. Um, and this slide is, is slightly busy, uh, but it's understandable because this program uh, delivers around 80% and also receives around 80% of the budget uh, of the DMV. Um, and the first one there um, relates to the number of military veterans who are verified, captured under National Military Veterans Day, something that I referred to earlier. And we can see then for, for, for this year, yeah, they plan to... Uh, verify and capture around 5,325 military veterans, year after that 5,000, as well as the next year. The next issue is with regards to newly built houses per year. Um, and, and this is one of the problematic areas for the department. Um, from the year 2016 to 2017 to 2019, 16, um, the target was actually 1,000 houses uh, to be built. Uh, uh, for military veterans. And here one can see um, they, they, they've underperformed um, to a huge extent on, on, on the delivery of houses. And I think they then realize um, that they need to change uh, this to a more realistic uh, 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 target. Uh, hence, they have a target of 710 for the next three years from this year until the year 2022 uh, to 23. Um, houses, is, as I said earlier, it's one of the important uh, uh, benefits, especially for, for aging or older military veterans, and I think um, this is an issue that we need to follow up to. Let's say, um, the next one is the number of military veterans approved and provided with compensation uh, benefit. Last year, um, it was a new indicator, and this year, uh, they plan, uh, uh, for the last year, they actually plan to, to achieve around 300 and then later on for this year, 200, and then 200, and then that 100. I'm sure important is also uh, this issue of approved uh, um, military veterans provided with a uh, pension benefit. As we check, you can see, the, um, it is basically uh, a new policy that is being 
develop. Um, so they developed it last year, and they indicated that they also piloted it last year. Um, and for this year, they have a target of 200, um, then 350, and then later on 450. One of the questions one can ask here is, is, is whether this was in close uh, uh, collaboration with National Treasury and then specifically the government pension administrative uh, agency, because they are also, to my mind, they, they are primarily responsible you know, for, for managing uh, a pension. So this may be just an issue that we need to, to, to follow up. But I think this target chair is, 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 is very welcome because many military veterans have been complaining about the lack you know, of, 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 of uh, sustainable, if I can put it that way, uh, a, a pension. The next one is, is uh, public uh, subsidized public transport. Um, and here one can see that last year they've actually developed it and also piloted it. And then this year they plan um, to, to, to give access to around 600, uh, next year 900, and the year after that 1,200 military veterans, you know, to provide them with subsidized public uh, transport. So given that this is the first year that will be uh, the rollout of this, um, I was wondering whether this isn't a bit uh, ambitious, and, and unless they've had a very successful piloting scheme last year, and they can inform us of that, um, because uh, 600 is, is, is quite a, a large number um, if they only piloted last year. Um, because I'm reminded um, that, that in the past, we actually struggled to get all the transport-related uh, entities, uh, state-owned entities, um, um, to actually come and report to us, you know, what is the, the progress and various excuses have been made uh, by those uh, entities, you know, why they didn't actually come to the party to, to deliver on, 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 on this benefit. And given that many of our military veterans are staying in rural areas, I think it's maybe incumbent on us to, 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 to follow up on this, this issue to, to allow members or military veterans uh, access to this uh, subsidized public transport. Chair, the next one is the bursaries. Um, and this has been a vexing issue, uh, Chair. Um, one can see um, in 2016-17, it was around 7,146. It moved to 7,702. And then the peak there in 2018-19, about uh, 11,326, and they project in for, 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 for the last financial year, it will be around 7,466, and after that, um, they have a constant figure of 7,400 uh, uh, bursaries that would be. This is a, quite a challenging target chain, um, because what we found in, in the past, that the department would, would often move funds, or unused funds, or underspending of, of in, in other programs, use those funds to move towards uh, the bursaries uh, 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 location. Um, and we've been concerned about that because it means, you know, then that the other benefits are not being delivered equally or delivered as, as, as being planned. And I think this is an issue um, that, that, that needs to be follow up, Jay. Um, Jay, the, 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 the next one there, it is just access to um, your care services. Um, and, and here, one is actually uh, um, pleasantly surprised um, by the plans of the department in the sense um, that they are incrementally increasing it. Um, because as I said earlier, I do believe that the majority of our military veterans are aged, um, you know, elderly, and, and they need this kind of, of health care access. And one can see there from 2016-17, 
It was around 15,000 and moved to 16,000 next year, 17,000. And for last year, they project it was around 18,000, and then they will incrementally uh, uh, increase. Um, yesterday, there was there were problems with regards to that. Not all military veterans, for instance, where they, where we stayed close to um, military hospitals in those problems, those three problems where are military hospitals, or where they are, are sick base, military sick base. Um, you know, uh, did always had access to that because they had problems with the health card. But I think that's an issue that the committee will likely also uh, uh, follow up to. Um, Chair, if I can move over. Five minutes to go. Chair? Five minutes remaining. Um, the next one, Chair, it is the uh, performance targets for program three. Um, they just start with the mobilization activities. Uh, it's a new integrator last year, and then they plan 9, 10, and 12 for the following three years. Um, something that is very heartening is the approval of burial claims uh, for uh, paid within 30 days. Um, you can see there the project, they will uh, keep on uh, paying it within 100% uh, within 30 days. Um, um, the other one, Chair, and, and this is a main concern, is with regards to skill development programs. And one can note there the various uh, figures. But one of the questions that's being asked with regards to this is that the rationale behind skills development and training and even education to an extent um, should be to make the uh, 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 military veteran or, or their dependents less reliant on the department um, for them to get gainful employment somewhere else. Um, and even for them to be totally independent from from the department, and 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 what doesn't get an I, uh, impression, you know, that the department is focusing unders, you know, to to ensure, you know, that these skills development interventions, you know, actually uh, 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 is used to the extent that it can be used, you know, for military veterans to get a gainful employment. Um, uh, Chair, I'll move over to 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 the next one, and it's just basically the main cost drivers. And there one can see, you know, the main focus, you know, is on housing, education, training, skill development, access to healthcare, um, and then uh, also the implementing of the initiative to improve the delivery of this. And then there are various others uh, outlined there, Chair. But important for me, Chair, is for instance, there um, in, in, in program one, we see that around 68.9 million has been allocated for strategic planning, policy development, and M&E programs. Um, and, and yet, there are problems with, 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 with finalizing, revising you know, policies, uh, strategies in the department. Um, and then the next question Jay, is just, what kind of services are these uh, contractors actually delivering to the department? And in the past, uh, S&T travel and the substance has been a, compass, uh, a concern. So maybe it's something that could also be follow up. And then just the increase you know, in software, other tangible asset from 1.1 million last year to around 2.8 million. Um, Chair, uh, in brief, this is the outline of the human resources. Um, the first section we see there is basically in um, the APP. Uh, but more important for me is that uh, a third bullet there, which shows that around 38%, that's 10 of the 26 vacancies, are at salary levels level to 16. And that basically emphasized the need to fill the positions at the top end of, of, of the organization. Um, Chair, and then just related to that is just what progress have been done or been made to fill these vacancies. 
Chair, the next three slides is basically uh, re-emphasizing of what they said previously. Um, and given that I'm now running out of time, I'll just uh, highlight some of these general issues is the COVID-19. What are the department doing to assist military veterans and what are the internal measures, you know, to protect, you know, uh, the members? Uh, something that I referred to a few times is the amendments of the Act um, and, and why, you know, uh, 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 or are they actually considering including uh, SRD, social relief of distress benefit uh, in these uh, uh, amendments. The next one is just a link between the organizational structure, the service delivery model, and the one district model. Um, and also, you also want to know what is the latest on the recommendations on the skills audit. Um, and then progress made with the mitigation strategies. Um, and then also issues I referred to earlier as, as this ineffective and inefficient stakeholder management strategy. Um, budgetary issues, the money will increase overall in the budget. Um, and an issue uh, that I maybe haven't highlighted that much yet, it is that last year only 64.3% of this sub-program has been spent. And this is the sub-program that actually relates the first sub-program in uh, empowerment and stakeholder program three. Um, so only 64.3% of the budget have been used. And, and, and we are aware, Chief, that the department doesn't have a national footprint. They are absent. They don't have provincial offices in certain provinces. And, and, and yet, there was, there was an understanding in that. And it's maybe something that we need to uh, follow up. And that, another issue that I didn't uh, uh, emphasize enough, Chair, is this whole issue of the effectiveness of the internal uh, audit system. Remember, Chair, this is our early internal uh, early warning system. Um, it wasn't stuffed uh, properly, um, and they even had a, a shift of 1.4 million from this one. The next one is something uh, that I referred to earlier, is ZILIAL, what is the latest on that? And then also sub-program three, the Harris Memorial, Burials Honors, um, what is the reason for the decrease? Chair, in conclusion, it's just the performance issues. What is the status of the institutional policies? Why can't they aim for uh, a clean audit? Um, the national databases, it needs to be finalized um, because the committees have given the deadlines in the past. Um, around 8.3% of military veterans um, need to update the information. What is the latest on that? Um, the ambitious target of 600 military veterans with regards to subsidized public transport, the filling of vacancies, the perpetual underperforming with regards to the housing target, and then lastly, Chair, something I mentioned earlier, it is the establishment of provincial offices. Chair, I'm done. Thank you. Thank uh, Peter. Thank you so much for the, the presentation. Very comprehensive. And um, there will be no need for, for the department to present again uh, soon. Maybe it would be an occasion for us to you know, engage with the departments, uh, ask questions, and, uh, and, 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 and have questions, and then make a, a, a findings, uh, you know, as it were. Now, colleagues, um, I don't know, can I just take just questions of clarity? I'm allocating five minutes. Uh, because um, it's just to for for clear as well, for areas where they were not clear. Uh, are there any questions, colleagues? Five minutes for that. Yes, so, I've got a question, Olomisa. Yes, uh, uh, I'm over to you, General. 
thank you, Chairperson and colleagues. And uh, indeed, this was a, a good presentation. However, I just, just want to find out as to whether these figures are realistic, given that uh, we are still going to be expected uh, to release some funds to central fund or to national treasure. Uh, yes, they will be realistic if the Department of Defense funds are ring-fenced, but I'm not getting that impression so far. So would he, would somebody clarify that? And lastly, uh, I'm wearing another hat here in the Eastern Cape, busy distributing uh, a PPE as well as uh, food. So I won't be long in, the, in this session because I've lined up some uh, potential uh, business people to support that, pro that, that, that uh, process. Just on the 27th of this month, uh, I mean of April, we distributed PPE a material to no less than 32 hospitals here in the Eastern Cape to the foundation I'm chairing, the Champions of Environment Foundation. So I would ask to be excused, therefore, sir. Uh, thanks, General. It's for the a good cause. Uh, we will be releasing you. Let me just ask uh, uh, Peter to deal with that so that you can... Uh, yes, release. thank you. Thanks. Uh, Peter, just deal with that before I move on. Chair, uh, right in the beginning yes, uh, of the presentation, I, I actually said, you know, um, National Treasury will obviously prioritize, you know, this, those departments that in the front line are fighting the pandemic. Uh, so there might be a possibility that other departments will be asked to adjust that are not in the front line, will be asked to adjust uh, uh, their, their budgets maybe downwards. But I, I also say that uh, but a good case can actually be made, you know, uh, that the Department of Military Vision budget should not be decreased. Um, uh, and if there are such attempts, I mean, we as a committee should also, you know, be able to assist the department. Um, given of what I said, you know, many of our military veterans are aged, um, you know, they are marginalized, they have these underlying conditions and so forth. So I, I think it's incumbent on, on, on the committee to assist if that will uh, happen, sir. Thank you. Thanks, General. We will watch Thank you, uh, developments in that regard with an hawkish eye. Thank you so, very much. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, you may release, uh, you, you, you may, uh, you are released, uh, General. Uh, you? Thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, I've got just two quick questions, Chair. Uh, just for clarity, uh, Peter, or Honor, uh, Peter, sorry, <laughs> uh, has the department been able to explain the reason why there are so many vacancies at senior level? Uh, what are the reasons? Why are those? positions not filled to advance the efficiency of the department. And secondly, which is the last question, the issue of underperformance in the provision of shelter for military veterans. I think it's a cause for concern. What is the department advancing as the reasons as well in terms of their underperformance? They've got set targets, 
but they perform way under those targets. Thanks, thanks, thanks yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, any other colleagues? All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure whether. Well, it's 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 clarification, but I'm not sure whether this uh, doesn't belong to the department itself. But let me just try and 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 uh, and. Uh, Clarify, maybe uh, Peter, that side, might be able to share some light. Uh, he said something about the alignment, aligning regulations to the Act. Uh, and I got a bit interested in, in what that actually means. It means the regulations were not aligned. Uh, maybe to get an example of uh, how that happens, and uh, yeah, maybe it belongs to the department, but at least just to give me an idea, or how do you have regulations that, or is it because the department started working before the regulate, I mean, before legislation was, was enacted, or whatever the question might be. And one other interesting factor is diversity management. Just to clarify, uh, diversity management, is it within the department? What diversity are we talking about here? Just to clarify that. I mean, I, I've got some other questions, but I think this uh, belongs to the department itself. Uh, social relief of distress, how it works with social, the department of social department, I mean, social development, well, the transport subsidy and so and so on and so on. But this too, just to clarify the alignment of regulations to the act and diversity of, I mean, diversity management within the department. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thanks, uh, uh, Honorable Make. Any other? I think that takes care of all the uh, questions and comments. Peter, uh, you just deal with, with those that you think are comfortable to deal with them, and then the rest will leave it to the department. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, with regards to the first questions of uh, possible reasons um, for the filling of, 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 of vacancies, I, relate, I think it relates also to the question of Mr. Market, his, his second question, diversity management. One um, found that, 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 that often um, top officials would be employed. They like the DDG, uh, social economic support, would be employed. And, 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 and within a few months, he would, he would leave uh, the department. Um, so there was quite a bit of turnover with regards to, 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 to personnel. Um, and I think that is why they are emphasizing diversity management within the department. Um, because in, in, in the annual performance and in the strategic plan, they say they want if all the employees to feel comfortable at home, uh, uh, um, you know, notwithstanding their race, religion, etc. Um, and obviously the question would be why would they say something like that? You know, what went wrong? So I think there was a, 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 a challenge within the department with regards to the accommodation, you know, of, of all all the people of, of, of South Africa, and that might be one of the reasons, 
you know, that the high turnover rate and the lack of proper diversity management within the department that they are struggling to fill the positions here. Um, with regards to um, the next one, the underperformance um, of, of the department, I think there are, are various reasons, but 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 I think this, the central reason to my mind is 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 the lack of coordination and the lack of cooperation from the other uh, levels of government, like provincial, like the municipalities, um, and, and and that is why one see here an emphasis and the intergovernmental relations framework, you know, to address this issue, um, because not all uh, provinces are, are, you know, similarly dedicated, you know, to assist with the delivery of, of, of services. That's why one see also this one district uh, model. Uh, that's why we also see this emphasis on strategic public partner, uh, partnerships. Um, and, and so I think uh, that is one, to my mind, one of the, the, the biggest problems. The other things is, is, is a, a misalignment with regards to the organizational structure, the mandate, and the services that need to be delivered. Um, so I think, Chair, briefly, that might be some of the causes of, of, of the lack of, 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 of performance. Um, when it comes to the alignment between the regulations uh, uh, in the Act, the way I understand that the Act has been passed and later on the regulations followed, and within the regulations, there were also the various means tests for the various uh, 11 benefits uh, uh, in, 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 in the department. I think what, what they're trying to do um, is, for instance, accommodate widows and orphans in, in the uh, presentation not in the presentation, in the Word document. I, for instance, make reference um, to them referring to widows and orphans. And shouldn't, for instance, housing be dedicated to them? Um, so how do they need to address that? I think most probably they have to amend the act first, and then it, it will have to go to the, 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 the regulations. That must be amended. And but The other issue is, for instance, also how do you uh, prioritize disabled for housing? You know, once you prioritize them, then, you know, uh, the relevant kind of houses need to be built for them. Um, and also, for instance, the social relief of, 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 of distress, that benefit is, is near, not being catered for in the budget, not in the budget, but in the demanding of the, the, the department. It was an executive authority directive to address it. So, Chair, I, I suspect that, you know, once they amend the act, then the regulations need to follow to, to, to address some of these current uh, gaps uh, uh, in the department. Thank you so much. Uh, have you all been answered? Uh, but I know, Banco, yeah, uh, only the department can satisfy your, your, your questions. Uh, like, if you look at their document, um, they're talking about uh, ensuring stability. They're saying they enable us to achieving the targets. One, visible and stable leadership. It's clear that with all the vacancies that there are, uh, this cannot be, um, you know, uh, uh, achieved. Two, an organizational structure uh, to effectively deliver on the on the target. So that structure will need to be reviewed. So that they align it to, to the act. Uh, it was mentioned before, and it's been mentioned in the document, that the, the structure came before the act itself. It had about 409 posts, uh, you know, initially. 
Treasurer said, where do you get these 489 posts for? Where are functions for you to get to this? Eventually, it was reduced to 169 posts. But now, uh, Peter is telling us uh, that in the report, they are saying uh, only 144 of those uh, are filled on a permanent basis. And uh, the rest is filled by uh, contract staff, uh, 63 contract staff, uh, 28 by the interns. That brings the post to 261. You can see the mismatch. Uh, they wanted they wanted 489. They were given uh, uh, 169, but they have 261 posts. So it means that there is a problem uh, with, with with the structure itself. And uh, the less I say about the vacancies that leading to people acting, the better for now. Only the department can fill us in, 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 in as far as that. I think it talks to the question of diversity management that uh, uh, the colleague was talking about. Maybe we'll just leave that uh, leave it at that for now, uh, colleagues. Uh, only the department. Yes, permission. All right, colleagues. I think we are there. We're done with uh, 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 this uh, uh, DMV. Thank you very much for this and let me quickly move off to the department of uh, uh, defense and then invite uh, dr yance to take the platform and, and take us through our research thank you very much chair um and honorable members uh i'll go through the annual performance plan and uh, the budget of the uh, Department of Defense. I would just like to share the PowerPoint. Um, is it currently visible to you on your side? Is the PowerPoint visible on your side? Yes, thank yes. you, Valerna. Yes, thank you. Please. Yes, you can see. All right, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair and Honourable Members, and also to those uh, who joined from outside of Parliament for this presentation. Um, the aim of this presentation is merely to, to highlight the key aspects that is contained in the analysis document that was distri uh, distributed to members um, uh, a few weeks ago, and also yesterday in Brian's email. So I'll run through this the key issues that are highlighted in that document. Um, this is just a synopsis of the analysis. So I really urge members to, to work page by page through that document. Um, within this presentation, you will see at the top right hand of the, of the screen, uh, there's a small uh, orange box um, that contains the relevant page numbers in the analysis document. Uh, so for cross-referencing, you can utilize that. So in terms of the, uh, the starting point for this presentation, um, I'd like to jump in with the, uh, with the major question going forward. So the annual performance plan and budget of the Department of Defense looks at the post coming year, the current year that we are already in. Uh, it looks at 2020-21. So given the current topic uh, and the questions that it brings of COVID-19, um, the, the big question is how will this impact the Department of Defense's budget? And uh, 
the first bullet there it's is it's, it's going to give the answers at the later stage uh, we will have the an adjusted budget at some point uh, to address the COVID-19 requirements but uh, so, so until then this is the budget that we have to work uh, work with the original department of defense budget but there's already questions that can be asked uh, going forward and some of them are, uh, that i could could think of that might impact on the budget going forward and on the on the annual performance plan of the department include aspects such as the dod spending trends um we're likely as confirmed by national treasury uh, and the reserve bank would likely to see an economic downturn um, and there will then be less taxes collected and this will put increasing pressure on the public wage bill and the department of defense is one of those departments that have a a very high ratio of spending in terms of its compensation of employees. This was a pre-COVID problem already, and this will become an increasingly more difficult problem to solve in the uh, in the future, given the constraints of the COVID-19 virus and the economic impact thereof. Um, secondly, we can look at issues uh, when members engage with the uh, uh, with the department. Um, there's a number of uh, targets in the APP of the department that relates to training for the SDNF. A lot of this is unlikely to take place um, and perhaps the committee should be flexible in its oversight there, um, understanding that a number of these exercises, training exercises, won't be able to take place. Um, the current deployments that's going on in the SNF is also likely to impact on the secondary tasks. If you think about aspects such as maritime patrols, cybersecurity, and multinational exercises with other countries. Uh, these are all likely to fall by the wayside, or to a certain degree at least, because of the current deployment requirements. Um, another aspect that uh, might be impacted by COVID-19, and we already spoke about in the previous uh, Joint Standing Committee of Defence meeting, relates to border safeguarding. Will there be any additional requirements? Um, in the previous meeting, it was stated that there's no additional companies deployed on the borders currently, um, but there's a, there are plans to uh, assist border deployments of technology and so forth. Um, the committee has asked over the past few years, this portfolio committee in the previous parliament as well, for the number of companies on the borders to be increased to at least 22 from its current 15. Um, this has not happened. Uh, perhaps the um, committee can engage the department again on this aspect of border safeguarding, specifically given the requirements of COVID-19. And then the issue of discipline, um, this was also touched on in the uh, in the previous meeting of the Joint Standing Committee of Defence, but going forward, it will be important for members perhaps to track how the Department of Defence and the military ombud deals with these cases of ill discipline that were uh, made against members of the Defence Force. Oversight of this is important because it's a men's parliament's place um, within the spectrum of civil-military relations in the country. And uh, for civil-military relations in a democratic society to remain sound, it's crucial that uh, these disciplinary aspects um, are dealt with, specifically in the context of domestic deployments that we see at the Defence Force now. Um, going slide, broader context. Uh, I'm just quickly going to draw, I'm not going to focus really on the strategic plan. What I would like to do is just draw on what the minister considers to be important for the, uh, for the period going forward. Um, the ministerial focus areas is firstly to focus on arresting the decline. Arresting the decline of the Defence Force stems from the 2015 Defence Review, 
Um, and there were five milestones identified in this in this document. And the first um, first milestone is to arrest the decline, so to, to stop the regression of the defense force. And this will become increasingly difficult uh, given the financial constraints of COVID-19. The minister also is focusing uh, very interestingly on generating revenue to supplement fiscal allocation. And this could, for example, mean the sweating of assets, which has been discussed by the committee in the past. Um, the question should be asked, asked though, will it be able to sweat assets, uh, will the department be able to sweat assets in the near future to the extent that they would have been able to do so before COVID-19? Um, if there's properties that want to be sold or, or cars, the market for these might be a bit subdued in the near future. Um, maintaining force levels, the minister also focuses on that, and the key word there is that she included in the APP is looking at the re continued rejuvenation of the force as well as the role of the reserves. Um, we'll get back to that uh, focus on rejuvenation. The minister is also focusing on SANF organizational optimization. This target and the previous one to an extent carries over from our previous focus areas. So the question can also be asked if this is, if organizational optimization has been a ministerial priority for the past seven years, why haven't we seen the results of that as yet? Um, the minister also focuses on the maintenance of prime mission equipment, quite important, we'll get to that as well. And the increased expectation for the SNDF to contribute to the national development agenda. And I think uh, members may ask the minister um, for clarity on what exactly is expected in this regard. What, what roles in terms of the national development agenda do the department see the SANDF play? Are we going to see more uh, utilization of the SANDF internally? Are we looking more at the defense industry to boost the economy? What, what angle are they taking in terms of the SANDF's role in that sense? Um, to the next slide, this is on, if you want to cross-reference, this is on page six. Just a second. Uh, members, apologies, uh, my screen just stopped. I'm just going to reshare the uh, the relevant documents. All right. Um, to carry on. Uh, when you're looking at the budget, this is a broad overview of the budget. Uh, this is available on page six of the analysis document, and I just would like to point out four um, sub-programs. So the Department of Defense have eight sub-programs um, as listed there, and these interesting changes. So this graph compares the previous uh, year's allocation to this year's allocation, um, and then it in the final column there you see we see the red and green blocks. Uh, that column is adjusted for inflation. So after adjusted for inflation, we see that program two, which is force employment, uh, that allocation decreases by 2.88% after inflation. Um, that is likely to change given the uh, in increase in force employment requirements that we've seen over the past uh, past few weeks. Um, program five, maritime defense, there we also see a 2.69% uh, decrease in, in real allocation. And program eight, general support, we see a decrease in its real allocation. Um, the only program that showed a significant increase 
was uh, defense intelligence. This is the smallest program of the department in terms of its finances, um, but we see it receiving after inflation an 11% uh, increase, which is uh, 167 million rand extra. And um, we'll get to this still, but questions can be asked about exactly how these funds will be utilized. The key cost drivers, and these are the next two slides will look at um, the main overarching uh, uh, key cost drivers in the department. Um, it's two slides of this, and then I'll go quickly into one slide each of the breakdown of the department. But the next two slides are the are key, important, overarching questions that, that members can actually focus on in the uh, engagement of the department. And the number one that's been standing out over the past few years is the compensation of employees uh, account of the Department of Defense. This increases, as in previous years, it increases from 29 billion to around 31 billion um, from the previous year. And if you look forward over the next three years, over the MTF, we're looking at 62% of spending uh, of the Department of Defense to be on compensation of employees. And National Treasury has pointed out in several years that this is an ongoing concern um, and they stated it again in this year's estimates of national expenditure. The quote there at the bottom reads, in its efforts to remain within the expenditure ceiling for compensation of employees, the DOD will review the uh, composition of its personnel and military capabilities in its aim to strike a balance between its regular force, reserve force, and civilian components that can contain costs firstly and execute its audit commitments secondly. So National Treasury is looking for a means of staying within the set ceiling and the department has not been able to stay within the set ceiling over the past few years. Other cost drivers that are important, um, if you look at the uh, estimates of national expenditure, as members know, they, they split it in two, uh, overview of the sub-programs and under that, the economic classifications, which gives you another way of looking at the budget. It's a different breakdown, so it gives you two sides to look at the same coin. And if you look at that, uh, a few interesting things emerged that members might wish to ask questions about. Firstly, um, property payments increases from the previous year to this year, it increases um, by around 200 million rand. Secondly, uh, contractors, there's an additional 109 million rand allocated for contractors. Uh, that's despite the fact that over the outlying years of the MTF, it will decrease again, but um, why for this specific year is there such a significant increase in the allocation for contractors? Um, capital acquisition, the next two bullets should be read together. There's very limited allocation for capital acquisition, 1.8 million rand, but the department normally transfers its funds to the special defense account for acquisition of military hardware and other equipment. Um, however, there's a significant decrease in transfers to the SDA over the years. If you look at the breakdown departmental agencies and accounts, and you look in the E&E, &E, National Treasury states that uh, the allocation from the DOD to the uh, Special Defense Account decreases from 5.3 billion rand to only 1.4 billion rand. Um, and that is significant decrease, and it brings into question the department's ability to actually um, renew its equipment and, and keep in pace with the modern defense force. And it also brings into question the minister's uh, uh, priority of dealing with 
force maintenance. Last issue that members may wish to address, um, this was not addressed previously, but in 2019, the Fiscal Cliff Study Group did a study of all the departments in South Africa, and they found that the Department of Defense of the has the highest ministerial cost. So for the year under review, for example, the ministerial cost is 132 million rand, um, and which is the highest of, of all uh, ministries within government. This compares poorly to, for example, National Treasury, that has uh, the cost only 4.4 million rand to the taxpayers. So perhaps members might wish to, to, uh, to dive into this a little bit and what measures can be put in place for cost saving in terms of the cost of the ministry. Um, if you look at the estimates of national expenditure, uh, this is on page eight of the uh, uh, analysis document. Um, just a few interesting facts uh, that I want to highlight and, and extract from that document. Um, national Treasury is focusing specifically on create for, on a Department of Defense that can create sustainability and savings. And it sees over the over the medium term, it sees the department doing this in three ways. Firstly, by conducting its own internal maintenance through the defense work formation. Um, and they will save, according to National Treasury and the department, around 209 million rand over the next three years. Three billion rand is, uh, they look to raise three billion rand through sales and leasing of redundant assets and equipment. Um, this relates to the sweating of assets. And in the past, arms Corps indicated that they might assist the department in this. Members might ask some questions about how this will be possible, how it will be managed, how oversight of this will, process will take place, um, and uh, whether it's still possible to get three billion rand for this assets given the current economic environment. And then uh, the department also raised 1.9 billion rand through, uh, through reimbursements from the United Nations. This question can be posed in a similar fashion. If the United Nations comes under more increased financial pressure, will they be able to uh, fulfill their obligations in paying states for uh, for peacekeeping. Um, another interesting fact that National Treasury notes that an additional 225 million rand has been allocated over the next three years for technology to assist in border safeguarding. So they didn't increase the number of subunits on the borders, but they increased them uh, the funds allocated for um, technology on the borders. Members might ask for some details on that. And uh, perhaps, uh, as previously considered, um, to visit the borders to see how this will roll out. Um, peacekeeping, 3.5 billion rand allocated for this over the MTF, and internal operations, only 48 million rand allocated for this. This is likely to change given the COVID uh, requirements. Chair um, and members, uh, then the next eight slides, I'm going to go through this quite quickly just to give you a a glimpse of the of the eight programs of the Department of Defense. So the first one is the administration uh, program, and the key the key issues that I want to take out of here in these bullets that will follow are just aspects related to the finances of this sub program, and then issues related to uh, their performance targets where relevant. So just the key issues. In terms of the administration program, uh, we see a decrease in the allocation for the ministry, 8.1%, um, and for acquisition services. Now, the ministry's decrease in 8.1%, um, it's, it, it's a significant decrease, yes, but it's still a very high cost 
of ministry, as I just said, as found by the Fiscal Cliff Study Group. Um, acquisition services, this is interesting, uh, an important part, but with the reduction in allocation to the special defense account, acquisition services definitely comes uh, uh, under pressure, and the uh, it's no surprise then that there's a 17% reduction. If you look at the economic classifications on the second bullet there, interesting aspects uh, refer to the increasing costs of advertising. Advertising increased by 13.9 million rand over the past two years. Um, questions could be raised as to what exactly was the reason for, for this increase. It didn't increase as much from last year to this year, but over the past two years, there's been 13.9 million rand increase. Similarly, property payments increased by 270 million rand over the past two years. And specifically in this sub-program, um, uh, members may ask, uh, sorry, in this program, members may ask why has, was there a need for an additional 270 million rand. Performance indicators uh, for, this, um, for this program, this is a very positive development. In the past, there were up to, if I recall correctly, about 80 um, performance indicators for this program. Um, this has now been reduced to eight performance uh, indicators, which is much easier for the committee to track and do oversight of. So this is a very positive, and I think the department can be congratulated for uh, the succinct way in which they put it together. However, one of the uh, targets that they put up for this uh, program relates to the battle fitness of the SNF. Now, for a number of security reasons, uh, that information should, should be classified. But I think it's uh, prudent for the committee to follow up with either the Joint Standing Committee of Intelligence or to have a closed meeting for once to address this matter and see where we stand in terms of the battle fitness of the SNDF. Um, program two, this relates to the force um, employment program of the SNDF. This program is likely to change a lot in terms of its allocation, mainly due to the COVID-19 deployment that we're currently seeing with, uh, with significant call-up of forces. Um, so if you look, for example, at sub-programs four and sub-programs five, especially sub-program five, support to the people, those are the domestic deployments. And in the original planning, we saw this allocation decrease after inflation by 1.7%. Um, surely there will be additional funds required for the current deployment levels, uh, significant additional funds. The subprogram for um, regional security, uh, this allocation also decreases by 7.6%, so perhaps members might want to follow up with uh, the department whether it's possible to, to sustain our uh, force levels in the, in the DRC, for example, with a, a slightly reduced budget. Um, program three, the landward defence, uh, the landward defence uh, program. This is the refers to the SA Army. Um, its strategic direction subprogram uh, increases by 63 million rand, and its artillery capability subprogram increases by 154 million rand. These are the two biggest shifts in terms of allocation for this uh, for this program. Um, specifically around the artillery subprogram, members may wish to ask how these funds will be used, what do they envisage for, for the artillery capability in the next year. It's only for this year, after, after this year, the, the allocation for artillery decreases again. So there might be a specific project uh, that they're still focusing on in this, um, in this aspect. Um, 
given that this is the SA Army, this is where most of the personnel within the SA and DIF are located, and that's why we see a very big concentration of the compensation of employees bill of the of the department line within this uh, department. Um, there's two aspects if you look at the economic classification, so looking from the other side at the budget of this program, uh, food and food supplies as well as travel and subsistence, both of these increased significantly uh, from last year to this year. Uh, food supplies increases from 650 million to 740 million, so that's an extra 90 million rand for food and food supplies, and travel increases from 340 million to 440 million, so another 100 million rand for travel. So members might want to ask the department to explain what is the reasoning behind an additional 100 million rand, for example, needed for travel and subsistence in the in the military, uh, sorry, in the SA Army. There's also uh, four targets of which two are classified. A number of uh, targets within the department's APP are classified, some, some for good reason, others could be questioned, um, but it might be prudent on the committee to follow up with the Joint Standing Committee of Intelligence or to hold a closed meeting to follow up on these closed targets. Program four, uh, the South African Air Force. Um, the major thing that I think is important to focus on here for members is to uh, look at the significant shifts in the um, sub-programs. I highlighted some sub-programs there, and compared to the previous year, if you take the budget from the previous year, compared to this year and adjust it for inflation, there's some significant shifts. For example, the operational direction uh, sub-program, its budget is reduced by 24%. Uh, sub-program 4, transport and maritime capability, their um, allocation is uh, reduced by 11%. And members might recall when we went to, as a committee for an oversight visit to uh, Air Force Base, Eisterplatz in Cape Town, there were significant concerns raised about South Africa's air capability in terms of patrolling its waters and the very old air assets that we have in this regard. So if we see 11% reduction for transport and maritime capability, uh, how will this affect that capability as well? Um, similarly, the command and control capability, 30% reduction. Uh, the other programs that increased in the allocation was the helicopter capability, air combat uh, capability, and the base support capability. If we go to the next uh, program, program five out of the eight programs, um, the key issue here is uh, uh, fuel, oil, and gas. Um, if you look at the economic classifications, decreases from 97 to 45 million. So, if you see such a major reduction in allocation for fuel, how will the um, uh, SA Navy be able to achieve its targets in terms of sea hours, for example? Uh, the maritime direction subprogram uh, that increases by 95 million rand. This is more the administrative part of the Navy. So, question is, why is there an additional 95 million rand needed for, for this uh, sub-program? And then base support capability decreased, decreases by 40 million rand. Uh, how will this impact on the ability of the SA Navy to uh, maintain its bases, specifically Naval Base Durban, uh, which is a relatively new base and still uh, subject to some upgrades? Lastly, the target year for the for the Navy is 10,000 sea hours for the year. It's an ambitious target, and I'm saying that because over the past few years, 
they've never been able to achieve more than 8,100 uh, sea hours. And that was achieved in 2016-17. So uh, it's unclear why they set this target for themselves, which is uh, likely not achievable. Um, programs refers to the military health services. And here it's likely that we will see significant budget alterations as well, given the important role that the military health services plays in the fight against the COVID-19 virus and support to other departments in that regard. Um, interesting things that we see from the original budget allocation is the agency and support or outsourced services decreased from 428 million to 260 million. Uh, this raises a question in, in terms of the capability of the, of the SAMs to conduct medical services internally. In the past, we saw that due to the conditions at, for specifically at one military hospital, uh, which is still in, in an ongoing, uh, almost everlasting refurbishing project, um, we saw that there's a high need to outsource patients to get medical care. Um, how will that be accommodated within the significant reduction? Then there's uh, food and food supplies, which also doubles in its allocation compared to last year. Could raise some questions. Um, and allocations for military health maintenance subprogram uh, decreases by 46 um, million rand. It's unclear if this is related to the defense works formation capacity to assist or how does, for example, will impact on one military hospital's pro, uh, uh, upgrading projects, etc. But um, there's a clear need, and I think members uh, might have seen this during the oversight visits as well, to maintain the, the health facilities, uh, military bases and the military hospitals. This is also clear from Peter's um, presentation where he referred to the need for health support to uh, military veterans. So um, this decreased budget uh, might impact that. Then in terms of the targets for this program, uh, there's a number of targets that are classified, but some of these targets were not previously classified. And specifically, the third one I want to point out there, the percentage compliance of the availability of medical stock. It is not clear why this is classif a classified target. And this was actually raised as a concern in the fifth parliament by members of this committee. Um, that there was a shortage of medical stock um, and this was tracked by the committee and all of a sudden it became a, um, a classified target. So there's this reason to inquire as to why this is a classified target and what actually what the availability of medical stock within the military health services are. Um, briefly, the second last program is defense intelligence. Uh, as I said earlier, they received an additional 167 million rand they only have two sub-programs um, and both of them increased, saw an increase in allocation, specifically the operations sub-program with a 15% um, real percent increase. Despite these increases, the targets that they set for themselves are rather uh, low. Um, firstly, the number of vetting decisions are about 4,500 vetting decisions for the year and the number of defense intelligence projects that they aim to achieve is 448. But um, in the previous years, the past three years, they have never achieved less than 600 defense intelligence products. So the question is, why do they set the target lower than the actual um, uh, achievement over the past years? And similarly for vetting decisions, um, they've achieved more than 4,500 in quite a number of years. <clears throat> 
So this could raise a question as to why why they did that. Um, the last program, general support program eight, uh, and this is related to uh, page 24 of the analysis document. Property payment increases from, and this is one of the uh, uh, economic classifications, property payments increased from 252 million to 341 million. It's quite a significant increase and uh, it raises the question as to why there's such a need for increased property payments for which properties and why specifically at this stage. Um, crucially, it was stated that Defence Works Formation will be able to save 208 million rand over the MTF. Um, the Defence Works Formation falls under this program and it might be prudent for the committee to ask more details as to the state of the Defence Works Formation and whether they will actually be able to save that amount over the MTF. And if not, how can the committee assist or what 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 is required to bring them to a level uh, to a level where they can actually save money for the Department of Defence. Uh, they've got a number of targets for this program. Two targets stand out in terms of their uh, performance indicators. Sorry, two performance indicators stand out in terms of their targets which seem quite low for the year. Uh, firstly, the percentage of criminal cases investigated in year is the target there is only 25%. And of the backlog cases, it's only 40%. So with a target like that, it's likely that there's be a snowball effect and they will keep falling behind in terms of investigating criminal um, cases within the Defence Force. So questions can be raised there about the capacity of the military police. So, Chair members, th th that was the, an overview of the eight major um, programmes. So where do we go from here? What is, I, I gave you some insight into the minister's approach, um, key issues related to COVID, and an overview of the eight, uh, uh, um, the eight programs of the department. <clears throat> so in terms of oversight, what are the, the broad focus areas? Firstly, we contextualize this budget within COVID-19's impact, and if things change in the future, the value of an analyzing this budget is to give us a base to compare it to in future. So we know what's going on in this budget, we've analyzed it, we know what the department planned, when a new budget comes or an adjusted budget comes, we can compare the two. Secondly, the major issue that will remain despite COVID and will actually get exacerbated by COVID is personnel cost, compensation of employees and the issue of forced re re rejuvenation. This was highlighted last year by this committee during the annual reports uh, um, engagements of the department. There is an urgent need for the rejuvenation of the Defence Force for two reasons. And the first reason is um, cost savings. It is a younger force is cheaper. And secondly, um, the, the operational capacity of the defense force gets impacted uh, if the force is not continuously rejuvenated. Um, third, the Department of Defense Savings and Fundraising. This is very ambitious and perhaps a positive aspect to, to boost the, the, the finances of the department, but it requires oversight. By, by Parliament that this is done in a responsible and achievable manner. Um, sharp end concerns, maintenance of equipment in the Air Force and the Navy is an ongoing issue. It's a financial issue and it will remain under strain in the next year. And acquisitions, the decreased allocation to the Special Defence Account, um, that will impact on the Defence Force's ability to, main, to remain a, a modern and well-equipped force. And um, 
significant oversight of this is required to ensure that uh, we don't fall too far behind. Um, Chair, members, that is an overview of the entire document that I provided to you. I, I urge the, the members to, you probably have done so already, but before next week's meeting, just to run through that document again. Um, it contains a number of, of prudent questions in the gray blocks, and it's just a nice highlight of, of key issues within the APP. Um, it's always valuable to keep the APP at hand as well. Uh, to, to refer to these references in the document as well. And I trust that this will assist you in uh, next week's engagement with the uh, Department of Defense. Are you done? Okay. Yes, Chair, thank you very much. So th thank you so much. Uh, well done, uh, Willem. Uh, good presentation, uh, very comprehensive. Um, Colleagues, uh, the, the presentation is, um, has been delivered. I now invite uh, comments, if there are any. Uh, yes, sir. Who's, oh, Mr. Marian, uh, you, you may come in. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Yeah, I want to uh, congratulate Valerum. It's, it's an excellent document, and I think it's a wonderful source document for us as committee going forward also to be guided by that in terms of our oversight work. Just a few comments and, uh, and, and, and questions that I've got for clarity. Um, first of all, I think the COVID-19 um, uh, expenses will have a substantial uh, impact on the budget of the, of the department and the SNDF uh, to such an extent that, uh, you know, going forward it, with working with the current one is actually uh, kind of a fruitless exercise as, it, as there will be a major impact on that. We know that the current deployment is under uh, uh, is about four and a half billion rand, and that's only until 26th of June. And we know that there will most certainly be an extension of that. There's, in my mind, no doubt about that. Uh, so, so that is something that we have to will, and, and the department will have to. Uh, inform us about going forward. Just in terms of uh, what Peter has presented to us earlier on the Department of Military and Veterans, we know that up to uh, the, 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 the current or the, the past financial year, military veterans was, was part of the Department's uh, of Defense's budget. Now, from the 1st of April, that is not the case anymore. Um, is that budget still included in the current Department of Defense's budget, or will that be kind of an extra then basically for us going forward? The second one is on the SDA. We know, and I've taken note of what Vladimir has said about that. However, we know that the, the, the special defense account will be phased out. So, so how will that money that will normally flow to the SDA, how will that be reflected and where will we be able to kind of track that on, on the, you know, the, the, the reports going forward. Then also on the uh, regional um, uh, uh, peace, peacekeeping especially, uh, we know the, there's quite a huge difference between the expected revenue and the cost. And we know that the current re re um, uh, 
income that we get from the UN is relatively low because of the serviceability of our equipment. Maybe that we must ask the department also how can that be increased? What do they require from us in terms of support or budgetary support or equipment or whatever to increase that serviceability of the equipment for a much, much higher return uh, and refund from the UN? Then, sir, just another uh, point that I've picked up is, is obviously on our uh, equipment like the C-130. We know that we have lost basically two in the last couple of months. Uh, you know, what can be done to, to increase that, uh, which is very, very important, I think, to us. Uh, and then lastly, just from my side, I mean, there are many, many other questions that can be asked. But just in terms of where we are going, we know that there was an indication for the land border protection that uh, the Department of Public Works indicated that they've requested the Department of Defense to provide more support for for this intermediate period uh, of, of the COVID-19. Now, we, I don't know whether there was in fact more people uh, made available for that, which obviously will impact on Ops Corona for us, or whether that will be done or funded under the current um, under the current operations going forward. Um, Chairperson, I've got many other questions, but I think currently that's that's will be the case. I think Bill Adam has done an excellent job. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Kopas. I know some of the questions, in fact, most of the questions that Mr. Co uh, Mr. Mara raised, um, I doubt if Willem uh, can, uh, you know, uh, offer, uh, give justice to them. Uh, only the department can, but it's good to have ventilated them. Willem uh, will simple comment, uh, uh, you know, browse through, and then we'll leave the specific questions uh, to, to the department. In other words, uh, when we move on. All right, any other colleague? Sure, thank you. It's uh, Dennis Ryder from the Select Committee, if I may. Yes, uh, we, we had a presentation recently from the uh, Navy and the Air Force indicating that they required approximately 2 billion rand uh, in order to maintain their existing fleets. Now, uh, as far as I can establish, that has not been uh, apportioned in terms of the, the, the current budget. Um, and obviously, that's going to have a major impact. Is there any indication as to what adjustments are going to be made in order to, to try and facilitate the repair and maintenance that is desperately needed um, before these assets just fall away? Um, again, like uh, my colleague Honorable Marie, I have many other questions, but as, as you rightly say, I think they, they're better placed to the, uh, to the department. So I'll leave my questions there. Thank you, Chair. so much, uh, Mr. Reiter. Any other? All right. Uh, Willem, please, you may deal with those that you are comfortable uh, dealing with them, and, and then leave the rest uh, to the department. Over to you, Willem. Sir, thank you very much. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I've uh, I think the value in in ventilating these questions are that they take they build on the analysis document that uh, we've done, and it's it's prudent that these questions be put to the department. Um, just a note on the STA 
and how this will be reflected? I think that's an excellent question because this will impact on oversight going forward. I'm not sure where it will reflect in the budget. Um, there isn't a, a breakdown by National Treasury that refers to acquisitions. Uh, maybe they'll put it under acquisitions. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, that could be one of the places, but uh, or maybe it gets brought into the different sub-programs. Uh, that is an excellent question, I think, uh, Honorable Moraine. I think you uh, we should pose it to the uh, to the department to to answer that specifically because it requires um, ser a serious level of oversight. Um, the C-130 aspect you mentioned is important. Uh, we lost one C-130 in uh, the DRC, and another one is not lost, but it, it got damaged in Vatikloof Air Force Base, which, le which leaves us with a very limited capacity. But I think that brings in a long-term question, um, a question that the comet can look at in terms of South Africa's the Air Force's strategic airlift capability. And this is a, a capability that has decreased significantly over the years. It has operational implications for when our defense force is deployed abroad, specifically far further from South Africa, um, as we saw in the Central African Republic in 2013. So I think it's a long-term planning question, and it brings us back uh, to the question of Mr. Ryder as well. Um, one of the ministerial priorities is the maintenance of equipment uh, and maintenance of capabilities. So strategic airlift and the big naval equipment that Mr. Ryder referred to, the, the vessels um, require midlife upgrades and so forth. Um, these fit in with the minister's ambition to maintain the defense forces. The question is how this will be achieved uh, in the near future. So th that's the only um, inputs out here. I think these questions are best put to the department. Um, but they they build on on the analysis, and I think it's really important to to Hello, Villa. Uh, there's a problem with the line. Uh, can you hear me now, Chair? Is it clear now? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, just to just to recap, Chair, I think uh, these questions build on the analysis document. I think that is put to the department. Um, but we are talking about long-term issues here, uh, specifically the equipment, as the, the maintenance of the equipment, as mentioned uh, by Mr. Ryder, the Navy and the Air Force, the C-130 issue. Um, these are long-term maintenance and capability questions. And the minister said she will prioritize capability maintenance. The question is, how will she do it, um, given the financial constraints of the Defense Force? Thank you, Chair. That's my only input. All right. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, any other question, colleagues? Any other question? Chairperson, yes. It doesn't look like there's any other question. Yes, just a comment. Yes, yes Mr. Mackey? Yeah, uh, it will be interesting to to understand from the department the contribution to the national development agenda. I, I was saying that it will be very interesting to hear from the department about their contribution to the national development agenda. What, what does that entail? How do they plan to do it? Uh, how does it relate with the budget? 
and uh, so many things. Uh, you mean the, 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 what agenda is that? The National Development Agenda. Oh, yes, yes, they yes, are, yes. Yeah, the contribution to the National Development Agenda. I mean, if they can unpack it for us, what does it mean? Does it mean the defense industry? Does it mean um, uh, dealing with the COVID-19? Whatever it is, it will be very interesting to understand what it is and how they are going to do it. And maybe the highest uh, uh, ministerial cost in all the departments, uh, even that one, if they can unpack, I'm not very sure whether uh, maybe the president's aircraft is under minister. Well, when I just to understand what 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 in, uh, entails such a very high cost. Okay. Thank you, thank okay. you, Chairperson. All right. Thank you so much, Rumake. Uh, any other question or comment? Um, Brian, I'm still in the meeting. Hello, Brian. Indeed, indeed, Chair, I'm still in the meeting. Yes. Um, I guess we are recording this uh, this meeting, so you can the colleagues can go back uh, uh, reflect on on the comments and questions that members uh, are raising, isn't it? Uh, that is correct, sir. Yes. Uh, is it possible to lift these questions up, uh, uh, package them, and then send them to to the ministry, so that in their opening address, as they do their presentation, they speak to this uh, right up front, even before we ask them. Is that in order? That is in order, chair. Uh, that will be done. Yes, yes, yes. So, so that we save on the day. Yes, who's that, Mr. Ryder or Mr. Murray? Murray. Um, Chairperson, I just want to follow up on that. I don't know if Wilhelm has responded to the Department of Military Veterans budget that is now separate for the first year, whether that is still provided within our budget or whether it is totally separate that we can say that what we have got, what we have provided, what they've provided for us, is, is, is really for defense uh, and they will not take it away because that is kind of additional then for us if they if they have not take if they're not taking it away further thank you yes mr murray uh, dmv is a new vote altogether uh, they have a separate budget uh, so they stand on their own for the first time uh, this year all right uh, right, colleagues, uh, I think we have, uh, so what, what to do, Brian, is to lift up all the questions uh, that uh, the two colleagues uh, were raising, uh, and then include, and then add the questions that members are raising, send them to me so that I go through them, uh, so that we don't ask the obvious questions, all right? Once I'm satisfied that the questions are not obvious, we'll then send them to, to the ministry. So that on the day that they appear before us, uh, they talk to these questions uh, right up front as they do their presentations. Right? In other words, they integrate 
the answers to these questions uh, into their presentation, um, uh, as, it, as it were. Right, colleagues, now that yeah. I think, yes, uh, I don't. Okay. Yes, Mr. Mutle. Yes. Uh, um, I just want to add to your question, but uh, it may not necessarily be in relation to uh, the presentation that I made, but uh, obviously it will uh, relate to budgetary uh, question. Because if you might uh, have been following uh, in the media, there's an issue of a 37 million uh, fans. Uh, I'm not sure whether Venom can clarify whether that fence was constructed under the defense force or was it a uh, home affairs. But uh, insofar as I'm concerned, border uh, fence is the responsibility or regarding the border is the responsibility of the, the defense force. Uh, if we can also get clarity on that. All right. No, no, it's fine. Uh, we, we will add that. In other words, they must talk to, we'll ask them to talk to the, the this 37 million rand uh, friends that got, um, what happened? Um, got destroyed. Um, just talk to. I know. I know that is under the, the Department of Public Works, but because they are that they are actually guarding the, the borderline, I'm sure they can say one or two words uh, on that and how uh, with Public Works they are dealing with, with the problem because it's got to be fixed. Uh, it's got to be fixed. So they, uh, so ask them to talk to, to talk to that. Um, just give us, ask them to give us uh, information on their discussion with public works. Uh, and maybe the border, what not, not home affairs, if home affairs is involved in the space, uh, how they are uh, managing the whole thing. Any other colleagues? All right. When, when we meet with the department, uh, I've looked at their presentation, right? Uh, so there's, uh, uh, I'll, I'll ask them to zoom in on their uh, departmental imperatives. In other words, focus on the on, on their priorities and, and the focus areas. And and when it comes to the budget, I'll ask them only to uh, talk to uh, uh, outliers. You know, in other words, where there are significant uh, reduction or increase to the baseline uh, allocation. Uh, uh, and then three, uh, talk to the targets where there's been under, or where, no, no, where they are uh, posting, where they are reducing or increasing uh, the targets in, in this, in this uh, financial law. Like for instance, we know that uh, the flying hours have been a, a challenge uh, sea hours have been a challenge, training hours have been a challenge, so we will not let them go without talking to those um, uh, targets. So, because they remain a concern uh, to, to us. And then the other point that 
the colleague says was the the number of companies uh, on, on the border, uh, 15 versus 22. We know why it is so, and uh, but they may want to ventilate on that. I know in the previous meeting, they did say that um, the COVID-19 has given them uh, space to kind of beef up uh, the, our borderline, uh, as, as it were. They may want to give us more details uh, on, on that uh, in, at the next meeting. And uh, colleagues, uh, maybe in the end, uh, I must say, yes, we have received uh, COVID-19, uh, uh, you know, sorry, the contribution of the Department of Defense to the fight against uh, COVID-19. So we want to see now uh, how this impact, how this impact on the budget. Two, we raise, still raise the issue of personal costs that it remains a concern to us. They are projecting a huge overexpenditure. I think it's 3.1 billion rand and last uh, year and, and then going forward. And then three, the force levels uh, in the context of uh, force rejuvenation. So we'd really ask them to talk to that as well. And then five, the acquisition given that the SDA, uh, the special defense account uh, is disappearing, uh, how they see themselves addressing uh, issues of uh, acquisition uh, within, within, the, within the defense force. And then the last point is the issue that <clears throat> they raised uh, that they were trying to effect savings uh, through uh, effecting uh, cuts and, and be creative in some areas, and, and how successful are they in, 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 doing, in doing that. Colleagues, in, 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 in short, uh, our meeting is not going to be long with them. I don't expect them to present the whole, to give us a whole presentation, but they focus on their focus areas, the minister's focus, focus areas, the sector's focus areas, uh, the chief of the defense uh, focus areas. Once they're done with that, they take us through the budget and take us through the budget, they focus on the outliers where there are significant uh, you know, reductions and increase to the uh, uh, baseline allocation. And then in the end, they, uh, you know, uh, focus generally then we entertain, we then entertain discussions uh, with them. Are you happy with this approach, colleagues? I'm definitely fine order? with that. Is it in order? All right. So, yes. colleagues, it's, it's, it's correct. That's correct. All right, colleagues. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we had uh, a fruitful meeting. Uh, today because in, uh, we just a, a warm-up meeting for uh, Tuesday and, and Thursday because on, on on Wednesday we are dealing with the budget for the the John, what you call the castle and, and AMSCO. All right, with that colleagues, I, it's my pleasure to uh, put the meeting uh, to the close unless there's any other agent. I, Thing that you want to bring up before I close? The meeting is uh, adjourned. Thank you very much, colleagues. Thank you, Chair. Thank you.